hello and welcome into another episode of the Main Street Preps podcast. It's our first show of 2021 and with that we want to take a look back on the year that was 2020 and it was an up and down year for everybody, an up and down year for high school sports but I've asked Zach Womble to join me today to kind of look back at just the year in general and then talk about the football season as, as we move forward into winter sports. Zach, you, you doing all right this afternoon? I'm doing very good, Russell, doing very good, getting ready to head out like like you are. But um, when when we started talking about this idea, we both thought, like, I think this is this is needed. I think this will be well-received. Um, excited to kind of put a bow on football season, if you will. Um, so whenever we talked about this, I was super excited about it, like I said. And um, so I'm doing good because I'm excited about what we're about to talk about today. He's also doing well because he's coming off a nice nine or ten day vacation, yeah. which is which is wonderful for I, I had I looked at the calendar it, it, it couldn't have worked out any better so you timed that well and I'm sure you took some time for reflection I know I did yeah. um, just looking back on this year obviously started out like any other normal year we're yeah we're trucking along we're thinking hey oh man you know football and basketball season have piled up I'm kind of thinking now we've got three months of spring sports coming up how are we going to get through this and all of a sudden we got a break in the biggest of ways that we never could have expected. Um, I know you and I both did a lot of news stories, kind of became news reporters yeah. doing stuff about COVID and, and businesses that were affected and just everything under the sun. Yeah. Uh, what did you, I mean, what did you kind of learn and take away from that time when we were kind of, our jobs were kind of upended just like a lot of people across America? Yeah. Well, I learned that um, it was either time to sink or swim in this profession because, you know, we, it, when we're covering games and things of that nature, that's kind of uh, easy stuff to cover, right? Easy things to report on, and it's it's kind of easy to fill our time and, and do things of that nature. But when all that was taken away and we had to step back and be true reporters, if you will, you know, not just sports reporters. I think you understand what I'm saying there. But it's just, you know, nose to the ground and really have to find out everything on your own without it really kind of being handed to you. It was tough at first for me personally. Um, but I learned that, uh, when, when my back's against the wall, I'm going to figure out how to do it. And uh, I think I came out better for it, much like a lot of people did out of the, you know, obviously the pandemic is still going on. But as far as like people, I think w are better for what they went through, including myself. Uh, so I just learned a lot that, that, uh, that, you know, I belong, I guess, in this profession, if you will. Uh, if there was ever maybe any doubt that, that I may have had, maybe prior to, to this, I think coming out of this pandemic, I learned that I belong just as much as anyone else. What about you? What did you learn about yourself? Yeah, well, I think I'd kind of entered this with an understanding that I love being a journalist and that I also happen to be a big sports person, a big sports fan. I don't think any of us shy away from that. Like we enjoy sports. I don't think yeah. if you didn't enjoy sports, I don't think you could stomach doing one <laughs> of these jobs. Uh, and obviously a lot of people do enjoy it. So it's a, a very sought after kind of thing, but um I kind of already had a little bit of an understanding of what it like what it means to just be like a, a news reporter and stuff like that. I've had some experience doing that, but um, I think I, I gained a new perspective as well in that kind of like what you're talking about, you know, if you don't enjoy getting out there, finding the best stories possible, if you're just like a sports fan and you're, and you're trying to do something like this, I don't think it's necessarily a good fit. Like I think, if you have the journalistic skills and you happen to also really enjoy sports, then, then this is a great job to do. I mean, really, when you think about it, a lot of our best sports stories don't even really have a whole lot to do with what's even happened yeah. on, on the field of the court. A lot of times it's the human interest things. Yeah, uh, you're right. The, the elements around the game that matter, the, the context and everything that we put in the story. So I think that 
you know, it's just a good reminder of that. And we got to have some, you know, good diverse experiences covering all kinds of different stuff, yeah. being a part of the, basically the most newsworthy time of our lives to this point, probably. Absolutely. Um, and be a part of that. So I think it worked out well. We're very fortunate too, that we, that we work for a great company, Main Street Media of Tennessee with, with a great leader and Dave Gould, who, um, you know, even at the height of the pandemic, didn't panic. You know, we, yeah. we kept going as we were going. We kind of moved some things around and, and had different people doing different things. But I was just really pleased with how it all worked out, especially just at, at first when, it, when the whole sporting world stopped, everything was really uncertain. But we came out from that better, like you said, and uh, we ended up having a full football season miraculously, which I just yeah. did not see coming at all. Yeah, I think, I, you know, I'm sure, I don't know if this was on record or anything like that, but we obviously had many conversations before the season started just to kind of try to prepare ourselves for whatever situation was going to be dealt our way. And I think we both were saying, like, there's no way we get a full season. There's no way we make it to Cookville the way that everything's going. Um, and all of a sudden, you know, we get in game one, and then it just kind of keeps rolling after that. And it kind of – everything seemed normal a little bit there for, for a little while, at least maybe on Friday nights to me. Um, but – and I said it a 100 times, but, it, I mean, just so much thanks and kudos goes to all those who are involved, right? Because we wouldn't have made it to Cookville had it not been for the sacrifices that these student athletes made, that these coaches, these teachers, these parents have made uh, day in and day out. So just getting from where we started – to where we ended, I'm so grateful that that we even got a chance to to experience that. Russell, I know you were in Cookville covering mm-hmm. a few championship games. Were you able to ever just step back and, and think like, man, we, we, we did it. We're actually here. I mean, I'm a, I'm especially thankful for the people that you know chose to follow the rules to do the right thing for yeah. everyone else, even if it maybe was not something you necessarily enjoyed. You know, wearing a mask, distancing, maybe watching a game on a live stream if you weren't feeling well, that kind of thing. So. I'm glad at least enough people did that to where we were able to get through the season. I know a lot of teams weren't as fortunate that they had games canceled or they were knocked out of the playoffs. Um, you know, that's sad that that worked out that way. But um, overall, I think this is about as good as we could have imagined. And uh, and with that, you know, with the champions being crowned and everything, we uh, were able to put together an all-mid-state team as well, Zach. And so if we want to talk about that a, a little bit, let's go ahead and do that. Uh, I know a lot of you guys probably saw it online last week. And if you didn't, you can, you can check it out at mainstreetpreps.com and just uh, in the search bar, just type in all mid state football and you should find it. But uh, Zach, we had a lot of great players in the area. Uh, you want to tell us a little bit about the guy that we picked as player of the year? Yeah. CJ Taylor, obviously. I mean, Warren County senior, what else can you say about him? I mean, right, he was that Warren County team this year. I mean, such a great story to see. I forget the the exact the exact year or how well they did, but I know they went under they they won X amount of games uh, for the first time in a long time. It had been you know 20, 30 years I think since they had the the start that they had. Maybe it was six and zero. They went eight and three, and yeah. it was the first winning record since nineteen ninety. So exactly thirty years. Yeah. So it had been a, it had been a while, and obviously that was on the back of C.J. Taylor. Uh, I mean, he was. I never got a chance to see him play in person, but everyone that did just described him as an incredible athlete, someone that, that, that was you had to see. And if you didn't get a chance to see, you, you felt like you missed out on. And I feel like I missed out on that. But he was just the catalyst to a Cinderella run. 
I mean, Warren County is in such a tough region, right? Battle, battling against the, the the Riverdales and the Oaklands of the world to get into the first or second round. Actually, I think they lost to Mount Julie, if I'm not mistaken, in the first they round. Did. They did. You get what I'm saying. I mean, they, they, they just had to go through a gauntlet each and every week. And C.J. Taylor was magnificent, uh, magical all season long. And I think he was very well deserving of the honor that you gave him. I am curious to know, like, who all did that award come down to and how did you end up deciding on Taylor? Well, I think when it came to Taylor, it's just just the amount of things that he did well for his team and that also kind of thinking of what would this team have been if he was not there kind of thing. And I, I get, I totally get there were several other good players on Warren County. I know they had, you know, you gotta, you gotta field 22 yeah. players. Some of those guys play both ways, but you gotta field several players to have a good team, but just for him to run for as many yards as he did to be able to pass the ball when he needed to, to yep. be their best defensive player uh, to make a difference in special teams. I mean, there weren't too many guys that I, I know some of these teams, especially in the outlying areas do have players that never leave the field, but of those guys that rarely ever leave the field, he was by far the best one. And so it, um, that's why we had to give it to him. I think a lot of the other guys that were in consideration, we, we gave some other awards to um, that leads me right into the offensive player of the year, Destin Wade quarterback summit. You know, he was, he was fantastic summit really didn't get to play a whole lot during the regular season. They only had six games, but I think in the playoffs, he really shined. Um, Ended up with 13, nearly 1,400 passing yards, 19 rushing touchdowns, 1,500 um, rushing yards, 18 touchdowns. So just phenomenal dual threat quarterback. He's, he made significant strides as a passer. And I think, assuming he wants to play quarterback at the next level, which all indications are that he will and that he can, um, that's, you know, an area that he's going to continue to improve. But um, yeah, I mean, all kinds of big schools have come calling for him. Ole Miss, Penn State, Tennessee. I mean, you name it. Yeah. He's got the offer. I'm sure it, his twin brother Keaton is right there with him too with that. And they're going to be uh, probably a great package deal for some yeah. college out there. I, you know, it's tough to uh, go to a different college than your, than your twin brother, but I um, think, yeah, I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah. So he was in the running and then our defensive player of the year, Langston Patterson, who also had a really great year too on the offensive side of the ball. Whenever he was given that chance, CPA wanted to keep him fresh for defense most of the time, but yeah. when they let him run the ball and they, and they did let him run the ball in their biggest games, including the state championship game, he was a huge difference maker for them. But but on defense, he had 72 tackles, 19 tackles for loss, 3.5 sacks, three passes defended, and an interception. Kind of anchored that that stout CPA defense that uh, I think they only gave up 16 points per game. And then when he had enough energy to run the ball, he ran it really well, 733 yards, 13 scores. I believe three touchdowns in that state championship win over Lipscomb Academy in early December. He looks a lot like his brother Kane, just a – Kane Patterson, the, the second coming of him, basically. Kane Patterson, of course, at Clemson now. Did a lot of the same things for CPA. Helped them win the 2018 um, Blue Cross Bowl. Then on top of that, we also had a two-way player of the year who also doubled as the Sunder County player of the year. Zach, you, you want to tell everybody about him? Yeah, Brent Rowe. Um, he was my preseason defensive player of the year this year, and I know he he na- or he or was named to a few All-State uh, teams on the defensive side of the ball. But for Sumner County, if you just looked at what he was able to do in all three phases, he was clearly the most valuable player in Sumner County. I mean, over 1,100 yards rushing, 17 touchdowns, and then you throw in 44 tackles on defense, multiple tackles for loss, a couple interceptions, forced fumbles, fumble recoveries. I mean, he just played – he played on the defensive line. He played in the he played linebacker. He played in the secondary. He played running back. I mean, he played wherever – 
Hendersonville needed them this year, and he was just spectacular from game one to, to game 13, 14, whichever one they got to, but magnificent all year long. And, you know, it really came down to him and Tyshawn Jefferson, who was my offensive player of the year. Um, and, and I just had to look at the stats, and I thought Brent Rowe just did a little bit more on the defensive side of the ball to kind of give him the edge. And it sounded like you kind of made the same or had the same criteria when um, addressing C.J. Taylor and the other guys. Um, but I did want to – you mentioned Langston Patterson's numbers, and I, I'm looking at his stats. You know the thing that stands out – or the stat that stands out to me the most, and I think you hit the nail on the head for de- defensive player of the year, is the 19 tackles for loss. I mean, anytime you can get ball carriers down in the backfield, that's a, that's affecting real change, and uh, that's a telling stat, 53 solo tackles as well. Um, so he was – Langston Patterson was one. that when I, when I went through your list and I went through your teams – um, he was one that I thought, man, he, he really hit the nail on the head with the Defensive Player of the Year award for him. Well, thanks. And then just to wrap it up here with the superlatives for the for the Mid-State team, then I'll let you uh, name the rest of your all-sumner superlatives too. For Specialist of the Year, we had Tegan Linderink, a senior at Brentwood Academy. Um, he's actually probably the, the least tenured Tennessee resident on this list. He yeah. moved to Middle Tennessee this summer when it appeared that Michigan may not play football or that they would have a delayed season. He really wanted to be able to get a scholarship to get some yeah. college opportunities. So had some family or some connections in the area, picked a great spot, Brentwood Academy and had a phenomenal season. He was 20 of 28 on field goals. You don't see many high school kickers attempting that many field goals, but they had faith in him. Uh, he hit, he hit a 54 yard field goal as his long. He was perfect on extra points, 32 for 32. And he averaged almost 60 yards per kickoff. Um, I was at several Brentwood Academy games and this guy would kick extra points like they were 60 yard field goals and the ball would end up somewhere in the parking lot. The kids would go chasing after it. It was, it was incredible. Um, I don't, I don't know who it was on the sidelines at one of the games. It might've been just a, a Brentwood Academy alum or somebody said, Hey, that's a Sunday kicker right there. Yeah. Uh, referring to, you know, his, his pro potential, but Anyways, it seems like colleges have started to catch on to him, too. He had a bunch of, like, smaller offers, FCS schools and stuff, but now he's got uh, preferred walk-on invitations from North Carolina and Wisconsin. Um, I'm sure that list can grow over the next several weeks before uh, signing day and or before all these colleges make their dis- kind of final roster decisions and stuff. So, uh, yeah, wouldn't, wouldn't be surprised at all to see him as a college kicker at one of those big schools in a few years. Yeah, kicking is so – kicking recruiting is so – it's weird to me. I don't, I don't understand. You know, they have their own recruiting services and, you know, you four and a half star, a five star. and Everybody's a five star punter. (laughs) Everybody is. So, uh, you know, kicking recruiting is weird, but I mean, those numbers that you just, that you just uh, gave us, including the 60 yard average on kickoffs is, is pretty spectacular. So, yeah, I mean, even if, even if he kicks at a lower level, I, I think the, I think the comment that you made might be, might be pretty accurate the fan made I should say which is that that could be a Sunday kicker so uh, just looking at those numbers that's that's pretty spectacular and the fact that not everyone is on him just shows you how fickle I guess kicking recruiting can be yeah and it's it's also just there's limited amounts of scholarships for kickers because obviously every team only really needs one on scholarship if that uh, you can you probably use a walk-on if you find a good one um, anyways but just to, to wrap it up with coach of the year uh, we went with Kevin Creasy from Oakland of course, the Patriots went a perfect 15-0. and They won their region title there in uh, Region 3-6A. They beat Brentwood for the Class 6A Blue Cross Bowl State Championship. I mean, nobody was able to catch these guys in 2020. I mean, Warren County and C.J. Taylor came within 16 points 
in late October, that was the closest anybody else came. Um, so you got to give a lot of credit to, to coach Creasy, uh, you know, for guiding this team through what was a really difficult season. Obviously there was a lot of things that could have gone wrong and his team managed to play just about all their games and they were dominant every time they, they took the field. Yes, they were. And, you know, I've heard comments before, you know, it, it Anybody could win with this Oakland team, but I would argue sometimes it's it's a little bit harder harder to drive a Ferrari than it is to drive a, a beat up a beat up car because there's so many expectations. You want to be perfect when driving that that nice car, and uh, yeah, credit credit Oakland and, and Creasy for for dominating this season. I mean, week in and week out, we we talked about it um, on Friday nights on the radio show with George Plaster, or just on the weekends or our own podcast. They were just they were so good from start to finish. And that is the staple of, of a high school program here in the state of Tennessee. Yeah, so. definitely. If you're looking to build a state championship caliber program, you should call Coach Creasy because they, they know how to do it down there in Murfreesboro. Um, Zach, why don't you give us the rest of your all Sumner County um, superlatives behind Brent Rowe and touched on Jefferson, and then we'll, uh, we'll read off the rest of the mid-state team. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, like you just mentioned, Brent Rowe, uh, senior from Hendersonville High School, is my most valuable player. Tyshawn Jefferson, fellow senior from Beach High School, my offensive most valuable player. Moving to the defensive side of the ball was Bronco Hanks, a sophomore from Beach High School. He was the region's 6'5A defensive player of the year, 104 total tackles, six tackles for loss, a sack, five quarterback hurries, a forced fumble, a fumble recovery, and a pass breakup. Staying on the uh, staying with Beach High School, they also won the offensive lineman of the year with Bryson Reeves, who was a sophomore. Uh, Reeves was part of a uh, offensive line that produced 263 rushing yards per game and 352 total yards per game. Uh, the Bucks finished with a season average of 33 points per game, and he was named the Region 65A Offensive Lineman of the Year. Beach dominance continues as Carter Flat took home Defensive Lineman of the Year. He was Region 65A's Defensive Lineman of the Year. His stats this year was 57 total tackles, an astounding 15 tackles for loss, eight sacks, 19 quarterback hurries and one forced fumble. Um, and then our kicker of the year went to Andrew Southard, who is a junior at Pope John Paul II. He was elected to the all-region team in D23A. Um, his stats went 40 for 40 from PAT with a long of 48. He did struggle from field goals, 5 for 13, but I got to talking with some people. Uh, JP2 was not afraid to, to attempt a long field goals this year. Um, so I, I still felt good giving him my kicker of the year superlative. And then – uh, three more superlatives. A new one this year, I did Student Athlete of the Year. Went to Jack Ottman from JP2 with a 3.8 weighted GPA, a 27 on his ACT. He's a House Council representative. He takes five AP, AP courses plus honors. And my Coach of the Year went to James Beasley from Hendersonville High School. After starting the season 2-2, two and two, Hendersonville finished 8-4, and four, winners five of the last six games. Uh, the Commandos won Region 4-6A with relative ease finishing that region schedule 5-0, and including a regular season finale victory on the road at Mount Juliet High School. Everyone knows that Coach Trey Perry's teams are hard to beat. So uh, Hendersonville, Coach James Beasley, gets my coach of the year for the way the commandos were able to bounce back. But my team of the year and last superlative went to Beach High School. Listen, they finished 10-2, and included a 10-game winning streak. Uh, they saw their season come to the, in come to the end uh, in, the, in the quarterfinal round of the Class 5A playoffs to summit. 36-29, um, but they went undefeated against the three big schools in Sumner County. Like I said, a 10-game win streak. It felt really good about giving them my team of the year. And that wraps up my superlatives for the all-Sumner County football team. 
was definitely a great year for Beach. And shout out to that guy that's taking five AP classes. He's going to be able to breeze through college because oh. college is going to be far easier than yeah. five AP classes, which are just incredibly rigor- rigorous and full of tons of work that yeah. you definitely, I mean, my experience at least was college was nothing like that. Yeah, uh, <laughs> that wasn't, yeah. No, that he, like I said, that came through and I thought, yeah, I mean, that's him right there. I mean, that's the student athlete of the year right there. I mean, yeah, that's, easiest that's, decision of your all county team. So yeah, that's, that's, that's testing yourself. And like you said, college will be a breeze at that point. Um, but yeah, Beach dominated my superlatives. Listen, they were the best team in the county this year. I mean, they dominated the three big schools. Um, they went the furthest than anybody in the county. And so they, they, they deserve the superlatives that they got. You know, it's really easy to give superlatives to kids who were named that superlative in their region and you won your region. So it's just, you know, it's kind of a, 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 an easy, an easy answer, but yeah, like I said, I think they, I think they got five of the seven superlatives um, or seven of the nine, one of the two, but yeah, they, they definitely dominated that, that part of the, the all County team for sure. Well, let's take a step back now and look at the, the all mid state first team, just for time purposes, we'll stick to the first team and uh, you can see the full team. Like I said, on mainstreetpreps.com. As far as the offense goes, at quarterback, we had D.C. Tabscott from Father Ryan and Cade Granzow from Brentwood. At athlete, we had Jacoby Thomas from Tullahoma. Running backs were Ray Banner from Laverne, Alex Broom from Lipscomb Academy, Jordan James from Oakland, and Griffin Sweeney from Davidson Academy. Then at wide out, there was Isaiah Horton from Oakland, Walker Merrill from Brentwood, and Carson Repass from Franklin. Then at tight end, who else? Then Jake Brinningstool, the number one prospect in Tennessee, heading to Clemson from Ravenwood High School. And then at O-line, got some some big dudes here up front. Fisher Anderson from Franklin, William Griffin Parker from Pearl Cone, Noah Josie from Brentwood Academy, uh, Graham Keating from Oakland, Eli Sutton also from Brentwood Academy, Upton, and then to move on to specialists here, we had Upton Bellinfont from Stewart's Creek, Trey Turk from Oakland at punter and Tyrod Good, a returner from Cane Ridge. Wouldn't it be cool before I dive into the real quick? Wouldn't it be cool if we could somehow get like all mid-state teams that the media puts together and like play a game against Kentucky or something like that? I think that'd be pretty cool. I don't know. I don't know how logistically that would happen, but it'd be cool to be able to bring the best of the best together and have like a state versus state battle. It would be neat. Uh, you mean like Kentucky's All Stars, or yeah, yeah, like okay. you know, they have their, you know, they have their media pick their all mid state or all state teams or whatever, and say we take the same all state team from the say Tennessee Sports Writers Writers Association or something like that, and uh, have a game. I don't know. I think I think that'd be, yeah, cool. That'd be cool. I mean, they, we got the East West All Star Classic that of course didn't happen this year, and that's right. a lot of fun every year. But yeah, I mean. I think everybody has a lot of fun with these postseason awards, and yeah. uh, obviously there's some really good players left off too. But um, yeah, I, I think something like that would be neat. Yeah. Anyways, all right. So moving on to the first team defense, starting with the defensive line, you've got Theron Games Gaines from Oakland, Philip Husband from Brentwood Academy, Javon Nelson from Riverdale, and Parker Peterson from Father Ryan. Moving on to linebacker, you've got four good ones in Junior Colson from Ravenwood. Matt Delafindahl from Mount Juliet, Elijah Oatesfall from Brentwood Academy, and Spencer Rich from Brentwood. And then looking at your defensive backs, you've got another four good ones in Amir Anor from Brentwood Academy, John House, the fourth from Brentwood, Jaden Lyles from Lipskin Academy, and Jackson Noble from Pope John Paul II. 
a solid list. Uh, if you like, you said if you got all those guys on the field at one point it, at the same time, that would just be a dream team, really, of of all mid state guys. Absolutely, that, that's what that's what would make it so much fun. And I'm sure like a state like Kentucky or Alabama would say the same. Um, yep. But you know, I I don't know. It's just spitballing here. I, I like like I said, logistically, I'm not sure how it could ever be actually completed. Um, but it's you know maybe one of these days we'll see. Yeah, we'll put you in charge of organizing that. How about, how about that? You 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 write me the check and I'll do it. <laughs> all right. Well, moving on, Zach. The best game you covered all year. I know you weren't. You were sometimes in the radio studio with our with our Friday night show. But when you were out there, what was the most exciting or best game that you witnessed in person? I had a couple good ones. I, I did have a couple good ones to choose from. Um, but I think the criteria that separated the one that I'm going to choose was the fact that it's it's at the biggest part of the season, which is the playoffs. Um, the, the moments are a little bit bigger. The the moments are a little bit tighter, if you will. Uh, and so with that being said, I had a hard time choosing between uh, Beach and Summit and, and Hendersonville and, and Blackman. But ultimately, I went with Beach Summit just because it was in the quarterfinal rounds. It was for a trip to the, the semifinals on the line. And it was just a good football game. I mean, 36-29, Summit ends up winning on November 20th at Shackle Island Stadium. But that football game went back and forth from the start. Um, Summit took their opening possession, scored, beat, scored on the very next play. And just from then on out, it was just a slugfest back and forth. It was a true honor and a true privilege to watch Destin Wade kind of really just get better at passing. I, I know that the, the thing coming on to about him coming into the season was he was more of a running quarterback. He didn't want to throw unless he had to. And I feel like I watched him grow up a little bit in, in that beach game, man, because he sat in the pocket and he was able to make some really nice throws. And that was just a fun game all around. I know obviously for beach, they, they hate, they, they hate that game, right? They lost. Um, but as far as someone who, who just covers football, high school football, and was just there for, for just to see a good game, I got exactly uh, what I need and if I would have had to you know luckily we don't have to pay to get in um, but that was a ticket I would have had no problem paying for yeah I would have loved to cover that game sounds like it was an incredible finish there and but you uh, had a good one too yeah oh definitely and you know I I went back and forth on this one initially I thought hmm, maybe that CPA Lipscomb Academy really either of their meetings the regular season or uh, the championship game I, I did not go to the regular season um, game but uh, the championship game was was a great game too, but there was a lot of running in that one. Like I said, Langston Patterson had the three touchdowns, and uh, there was some drama there. But I think there was more drama, and so I'm going with this game: Pope John Paul II at Brentwood Academy in the Division II AAA quarterfinals. Ordinarily, you know, you'd think that Brentwood Academy would would run away with that, but JP2 has really shown, especially this year, they showed that you know they're they're to be taken seriously in that Division II AAA uh, bracket, and um, they they had a an 18 point lead at one point in the second quarter. Unfortunately, it slipped away from them. I think Brentwood Academy's experience kind of uh, won out after they kind of got over the initial shock of what happened there in the first couple quarters. But uh, Antoine Roberts, JP 2s running back, is going to Wisconsin. He caught three touchdowns, which is a little weird because he, he looked yeah. more like a receiver in that game than a running back. If I if I hadn't known anything about him, I would have said, man, that's that guy's going to be a great college receiver. And maybe he still will be, um, but obviously Wisconsin wants him as a running back, so we'll see how that goes. He caught all those passes from Kenny Minchie, who just looked phenomenal in that game and really looked great the second he stepped in for Sawyer Waltz earlier in the year. So JP2's got a, lot, a bright future ahead of them with him at quarterback, I think. Uh, but Taylor Montiel was awesome, too. He, he threw for 245 yards and three touchdowns. His 
passes were right on the money when they needed to be, and the Eagles held off the Knights to avoid that upset. They ended up getting beaten the next week anyways by McCauley. Um, thought they were going to probably make it to Cookville, but, hey, you know, that's why they have the playoffs. And uh, so that was really just a phenomenal game. Yeah, that was that, that was a game that I'm like you. I wish I could have gotten to see that. Uh, but I believe I covered Beach Hillsboro that week. I think that was the Beach Hillsboro week, which was the second week of the Division One playoffs because there's a, there's a bye for D2. I think that was the same, if I'm not mistaken. And I uh, probably should have ended up at that game because the Beach Hillsboro game was, a, was not close at all. It was a blowout from the start. Uh, so I was a little bit jealous that you got to cover a good one that week. Well, how about your biggest surprise, Zach? Was there anything that just kind of caught you off guard this year? Any any team or player or coach or whoever? Yeah, there were there were a few moments, a few teams, a few players that, that surprised. Um, but I think I'm going to stick with JP2. Uh, you know, this was a team coming off a solid but disappointing 2019 season. They went six and four, uh, but they lost a couple key critical region games that kept them out of the playoffs for the first time in school history. That said, it didn't matter your record prior to the last year. You always made the playoffs in D2. But nonetheless, missed the playoffs for the first time last year. And they lose 100% of their receiving core from last year. Three three guys who are, who are playing at the next level, one being Rory White, who's at Air Force. Um, so they had to replace a lot on the offensive side of the ball. Teams were going to come in, and I think you saw that in week one against Smyrna, and load the box and make someone outside of Antoine Roberts beat them. And to their credit, they did exactly that. Colin Cook was, I think, the best receiver number-wise in the region um, this year, and I think he was top 15 in the state. I mean, the way he was able to get separation and get behind defenses just opened up their offense so much more. And the fact that that they were able to just not only uh, – duplicate but but go even higher this year with their offense and their team success was a surprise because you had so many like I said so many missing offensive pieces you had a few missing defensive pieces that were replaced with sophomores and freshmen one being Ansley Ware uh, who was all region and all Sumner County uh, I believe he was all state as well I mean uh, so they had a lot of young guys on the defense side of the ball and they had a lot of unknowns on the offense side of the ball and they finished the year eight and three and gave themselves a chance to win against uh, a really, really good undefeated team in the first round. So uh, they were probably my, my biggest surprise coming into this year because at this point, Beach isn't going to – the only way Beach is going to surprise me is if they're under 500. Same with Hendersonville. Right, if Beach were to go 0-10, then maybe yeah. they could they could be your biggest surprise. Yeah, but no, I mean, the fact that JP2 um, was better this year than they were last year, and it felt like maybe they had a better team last year, but they were better this year. So that, they were my big surprise this year. Well, my surprise is just down the street from there, uh, probably the closest private school to JP2, Good Pasture. Yep. They went 9-3, and three, advanced to the state semifinals under a brand-new head coach, Tyler Turner, who came up from Olive Branch, Mississippi. And, uh, man, everything just clicked for them. Their only losses were to CPA and Lipscomb Academy. Um, unfortunately, they lost to CPA twice, once in the regular season, once in the playoffs. So they were a step behind those state championship caliber teams but hey for a team that has had a lot of ups and downs kind of in the 2000s especially over the last you know handful of years for them to go nine and three to beat knoxville webb and cak in the playoffs i think that was huge for just building some momentum for their program and uh brendan jones who's actually heading to kansas state as a baseball player uh was was great he did everything i mean he ran the ball he caught the ball he played defense he returned kicks and punts um he was 
he was actually our, our second on our all mid state second team as a returner. Um, just great player and uh, Cooper Pennington at quarterback as well. I saw just the other day he committed to Rhodes College to continue his career, but him and, and Brendan Jones really made for a very dynamic offense. And uh, you, you never know. I mean, it's going to be hard to catch up with the Lipscomb and CPAs of the world, but if good pasture can be right in there in the state semifinals year in, year out, I think they'll take that. Yeah, no, they, they were a great story this year. Uh, I'm not sure how many games they won in 2019, but I know it wasn't a ton. And to see them bounce back and, and really give themselves a chance late in the season was, was a fun story to see just from the outside. And so with 2020 officially in the rear view, we would be remiss if we didn't make some way too early predictions for next year. Right, Zach? And, yeah, and just to start, to start this last little, little piece off, I'll, I'll give us a freebie. I, I say Oakland is going to repeat as Class 6A champs. I think that's just low-hanging fruit right there. They've got Jordan James coming back at running back. They've got Antonio Patterson coming back. They've got Isaiah Horton coming. I mean – if they don't win, I think it'll be a disappointment. Don't don't want to like create too high of expectations for them, but I just think coming in, they're probably still the most talented team by far, possibly in the state, but definitely in the area. I don't think you can create too high of expectations for Oakland. I bet you when they step in that weight room or that field house or whatever, the expectations are to win a state championship. I think you're just stating the obvious. And so since I did that, I will also give a, a, a couple more that maybe are a little less obvious. I think Lipscomb Academy can break through next year and win their first state title since 2007. Um, they were right there this year. I mean, that game came down to the wire. CPA's junior class is loaded, and that's a big reason why they were there. It's a big reason why they were able to get to the state semifinals in 2019 uh, with a bunch of sophomores. It's, these guys are great. They got Cade Law, Cade Patterson, uh, a defensive line of several guys that are all juniors, linebackers that are juniors. Um, so they're, they're going to be tough to top, but Lipscomb Academy, they've got Alex Broom coming back. You know, he was a new addition a couple games in the season when he got eligible, and he was an immediate shot in the arm. Uh, I know he's been selected to a lot of these all-state teams. He was on our all-mid-state team. I think he had like 30 touchdowns, something ridiculous. Um, so he's a, a huge difference maker. And then you've got Luther Richardson coming back for his senior year at quarterback. And anytime you've got a guy that's going to start for a third year in a row I mean you look at the teams this year that had starters starting quarterbacks that have been around for a while I mean those guys it's almost like a cheat code if you have a senior that has already put up big numbers their first couple of years and then you come in senior year you're going to have a great season so Luther Richardson and then they've got Bo Dawson uh, Phil Dawson's son he's expected to be fully healthy he, he missed a part of this year um, at tight end and a linebacker but they've they're going to have a full complement of juniors coming back next year. So I, I like Lipscomb Academy, maybe over CPA, maybe CPA repeats, but just for the sake of predictions, I'll stick with Lipscomb Academy there. And uh, also on a, I guess, not as fun note, I do think there's going to continue to be some COVID-19 protocols in place. The optimistic side in me says, man, by August, if August rolls around and we could just not even have to ha worry about that anymore, that'd be excellent. And if the timeline with vaccines gets sped up, I would welcome that. But I just think with how things have gone and how things are going, um, I think it's realistic to expect at least some attendance limits, probably some, some rules, some social distancing things still going to be in place, um, some rules for all the teams as far as what they can and can't do in locker rooms and things like that. Um, hopefully by the time the next uh, semester rolls around, maybe spring sports or even basketball, maybe we're not thinking about that stuff as much. But I think when you're talking about August being, well, really uh, practicing starting in July in about six months, games starting in seven months, uh, it just seems like there's probably going to still be some, some COVID concerns there. Yeah, I mean, that's, yeah, that's, that's a 
That's fair. That's fair. Uh, my early predictions may may surprise some people. Uh, you know, um, Station Camp. I'll just I'll just I'll just say this: they were able to snap their twenty four game losing streak this year. Uh, Hunters Lane, as you know, Metro School was not able to play ten games. They were given the option to play a, a quote unquote bowl game, if you will, at the end of the year. Uh, they chose Station Camp. Station Camp obliged, and they were able to beat Hunters Lane and snap that losing streak. And Hunters Lane is actually going to be a region foe next year. Like I said, they dropped down to Class 5A. And I was looking at their schedule. Russell, Station Camp could win six games next year. Oh, boy. Six games. All right, write that one down, everybody. Here's what you got. Here's what you're looking at. At White House, week one. At White County, week three. West Creek, week five. Portland, week eight. And then you close out the season at Green Hill and at Hunters Lane. I'll tell you, yeah, I mean, that is not exactly a murderer's row. No offense to any of those teams, but, I mean, I mean it's not like they're really playing Brentwood, Franklin, Summit, and Ravenwood yeah. and Brentwood Academy. I mean, yeah. there's definitely some winnable games in there. And, and good for them for scheduling some because after the couple of years they've had, I mean, they clearly just they need to play some teams that are, that are more on their level and to, you know, to try to build up that confidence and try to get Station Camp football back to where it was, you know, uh, I guess almost 10 years ago now. Here's who's in their region next year. You've got Hunters Lane, you've got Green Hill, you've got Wilson Central, you've got Mount Juliet, you've got Hillsboro, and you got White County. So in theory, you could get three region games, and that's probably going to get you into the playoffs. Actually, it definitely will get you into the playoffs. Yeah. I would think. And, I would think and, it would. And we could probably do a whole other podcast on this, so we'll save it for another day. But the fact that White County is in there makes zero sense. And there's some there's yeah. some setups like that with regions that yeah. like. Some of these teams are just going to be in for some long bus rides, some tough – I mean, yeah, some yeah. tough travel circumstances, and that, that stinks, and we'll probably save that for another day. But, uh, yeah, White County really sticks out as, like, not fitting in with that region at all. Yeah, no kidding. But, yeah, so that's my, that's my bold early prediction for 2021 is that Station Camp, six wins on the season. And all right, well, got a real good we will hold each it. other. We will hold each other to these early predictions. We will – this time next year we'll see yep. if any of them are still left standing but with that zach i think we can officially officially put the bow on our football coverage yep. um it's been a long five or six months it's, it's been a lot of fun uh to, to do that we're glad we had football season basketball is now in full swing i know you've got a podcast about basketball you want you want to say a little bit about that real quick yeah absolutely yeah the full court press podcast with um, myself and brady mcatamney who's our clarksville montgomery county sports reporter so we do Montgomery County, we do Sumner County. Uh, we basically talk about the week prior, who stood out. We give out players of the week. We, we pinpoint our key games for the upcoming week. Uh, we do a fun little segment called our 2-2-1, which is we give you two games that we're looking forward to, two players to watch, and a winner who we think is going to obviously win that week. And, and so that's been a lot of fun. It's we've done four episodes. Now you can get them wherever you download your, your podcast, Apple, Spotify, wherever um, Brady makes it so much fun. And uh, it's, it's always, I'm learning a little bit more about Brady as we move along. You know, there's a few segments in there where we talk more than just high school sports. We talk about him growing up in Michigan, you know, his love for the Pistons, things of that nature. So it's just been a fun, fun project to do. But, yeah, if, if you're interested in a basketball-only podcast, I believe we're the only ones out there doing one. So make sure you subscribe and, and like the Full Court Press podcast wherever you get your podcast. Yep, I'll be tuned in. And 
I can't on my show on the Main Street Preps podcast, the one you're listening to now. I can't promise hoops every week, but I do think over these next six weeks or, or so that'll be the main topic, and a lot of our guests will be basketball related. So, if you're into high school basketball, definitely stay tuned to our website, MainStreetPreps.com, our Twitter at MainStreetPreps. We are going to be covering the heck out of the sport over the next couple of months. Zach, with that, thanks for doing this, and we will talk soon. Absolutely, Russell. Thanks for having me on. Everyone, talk later. All righty. Thanks for everybody tuning in today, and we will see you back next week.